Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! We want fish. We want fish. We want fish. We want we fish. Want we fish. want fish. And you know what, listeners? Today you get what you fucking asked for because we got them. <laughs> we got, we got lots of fish. <laughs> Flying <laughs> fucking fish, fish. That defy all plausibility, but I am here for them because you... They, they chirp. They <laughs> they scuttle like they they come up from the depths of the sea, and they are ravenous, and they are the stars. Dare I say? Well, that slim pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait. Listen, I when I picked this title, I've been sitting on this egg for a while, <laughs> and when I finally said this is the time, it's because. The, f- the, f- the film we're covering today, Piranha 2, The Fucking Spawning, uh, is a 1982 film directed by the prestigious one and only James Cameron, who is having a moment right now, as he always does, of course. Whenever he releases something, it's bells and whistles and fanfare. But um, he has the, the new avatar, The Way of Water, out right now. That's doing quite well, oh, you know. Yeah. So it's the first yeah. film to bounce back in the box office, really like bounce back in a hot second. Um, and they don't know if they're going to make it exactly the amount of budget it needs to make to be profitable because it needs like two billion, something absurd like that. Yeah, but it's it's about to break a billion, so we'll see. But this is where he got to start. Piranha, Piranha the spawning, Piranha two the spawning, or Piranha two flying killers, depending on. <laughs> what uh what cut of the film or what release of the film you you watch because the one i watched it was piranha 2 flying killers and when that popped up on the screen i knew exactly what i was in for i had never seen this um i had no idea james cameron directed it although a little bit of research that i did that's a little you know it's a little fine line there because there's a whole story that he got fired two weeks into the production and the uh, producer took over and and uh, directed the film and even if he did supposedly direct it the producer would not let him see any of the edits of the film during the editing process there was this whole thing and for a while james cameron denounced this film he's like yeah i, I got fired from that film it's i don't even consider it my first film terminator is my first feature-length film but then apparently he made some comment in an interview in some magazine that yes indeed this was his first film because it did allow him the experience to direct a film so he will claim it but the whole yeah, that whole production story, I'm sure I'm, I'm glazing over the truth, but that's just from what I gathered from reading about the film and his involvement in it. A few things I got to point out right now. A, someone did their motherfucking homework because they're like, you know what? We're coming into 2023 fucking ready 
to rumble with this new episode. I mean, I look at you doing your homework on a movie you've never seen. Well, hey, you know, I got to sound like I know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, my God. Well, and I'm thrilled because you know what? I didn't know how you'd respond to this film. <laughs> I didn't know if this was just what the doctor ordered or if this was going to something that could be something that you were going to, you know, maybe say, Roger, I don't know what nonsense you're getting us into, but I feel like you and I are going to have a real good time talking about Piranha 2. The Spawning, directed by James Cameron, 1982. I think this is going to be quite a good time for everyone involved. Don't you agree? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I want to get right into it. I'm, I'm just chomping, chomping. Chomping, just like these piranha. <laughs> but before but we first, get into it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> first, we got I got I got to say a big thank you. Yes. Is that what you were, what's that? Yeah, ah, we got, yeah. we got some, we got some patrons that finally decided to give in to our, our pleading and, and join us on our Patreon. We got, um, we got Bunny B. I love that. I love that nickname, right? Um, we got Courtney B and we got Dustin Putman. So three patrons in the last couple of weeks, guys. And you know what? They are, I'm sure they are just ecstatic that they join because we have so many great episodes where there's lots of conversation that happens on our posts. We have 19. I cannot believe that, Roger. 19 full-length exclusive Patreon reviews on our Patreon. I our Patreon. We just did uh, my film, Mrs. Claus, which was a lot of fun. It was almost like a director's commentary as you made your you know, comments on the film. We did Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan, Terrifier. If you want to hear our thoughts on the oh original Terrifier, yes. just check it out. Patreon.com slash Dark Knight of the Podcast. The link is in the show notes. Or give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We did get one of you suckers to do that. Oh, we love you for it, too. Yeah, we do love you for it. So, guys, thank you for the support. Thank you. But- we are going into 2023, uh, kicking and screaming and and, and banging our <laughs> drums as we review Piranha 2, The Spawning. Now, I, Roger, here's the question. is I've never seen the first Piranha, the original. I've seen the Alexander Aha remake, which I love for what? all of its over-the-top silliness. But I kept th- – yeah, I've never seen the original Piranha. Joe da- I know Joe Dante directed it, but – Oh, there's also um, a remake from like – I think it was 1995. Oh, it's like a shot for oh, shot remake, Lord. but it's not that awful. <laughs> Have you seen the original? Course, yeah, I've seen all three versions of them. Okay. Okay. Well, look at Ro- look at Roger. He's the ultimate. I own Piranha it. Fan. I own it I on Blu-ray. Know. I love oh, it. Oh my god, he probably has he probably has <laughs> Piranha posters in his room. Um, my question is because I was picking up on some plot points. Is this like is it is this is this Piranha two? Is it connected to the first one in any way, or are these just two separate? Loosely, films? loosely. So I think there's a bit of dialogue at one point where our heroine Annie, who we'll be talking about in a minute, um, where Annie is kind of you know making friends, quote unquote friends with this this new love interest, Tyler, and she's kind of going back and forth with him about this whole. Um, uh, testing this military testing that was going on, where they were testing on like different uh, species of fish, and it accidentally got into like a water supply and horrorized, like uh, terrorized a town. And and so I think that's like a a, a subtle hint, a little bit note towards the original okay. film. But I think what they're basically saying is after that happened, the military, you know, kind of got that under control and started testing on this specific breed of fish, <laughs> giving it many abilities, as we will learn. As we will learn, and we learn, I mean, the film opens like I was expecting, you know, some, I don't know, 
opening. <laughs> I don't. It opens really. Uh, the 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 cut I watch just open. It like opens abruptly. Like you're just all of a sudden on a boat with this couple, and uh, the guy's complaining about the boat not being comfortable enough and his wife or whoever it is, she's like, well, you complain about everything. The sand was too sticky. This is too hot, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, we got to come here to do what we, what we, what we're here for. And apparently it's to go down and scuba dive and have sex. (laughs) First of all, Roger, I want to put this out there. This is the horniest fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh... Everyone in this movie is, especially the women are trying to get dick. They're grabbing dick. They're at the I children. Mean, the children, which we're trying to talk about those children. <laughs> we're going to talk about those children in a minute. There are some weird character, real weird character dynamics in Piranha 2 The Spawning. Across the board, you get introduced to a lot of very strange, unique, and colorful characters. But a lot of them you don't get like yes. a full That's follow through. Exactly I want what more. I That's my biggest note. There are so many colorful unique funny uh characters in this film but they are just there for it just seems like humorous fodder and they're never heard from again and then you get a couple of characters that are sort of prominent throughout the film but again they do nothing and it was like pointless to even have them in the film i think that's one of the film's biggest issues is like you're introduced you're you're introduced to these characters who you think are going to be like oh these are going to be characters we get to know these are going to be victims but they're not and and for the most of the film the victims of the piranhas are people we don't give a shit about i mean it's just random people will all of a sudden be on a boat with you know a couple topless broads who get it's just it's, <laughs> I was like, what is this trying to do? But but back to my point, this movie, everyone is fucking horny as fuck. And these, why? Oh okay. I don't know. I, I personally, Roger, I have a huge, I don't like, I'm going to get personal here for a minute. I hate sex in water. Oh my God. It's in the open Not sea. Not even in the opening, open sea, but like in a bathtub or a shower. I agree. I hate it. I hate it. I, it's yeah. total turnoff for me. I've never enjoyed it. So I could not fathom in my mind taking my partner and, and diving it into the sea <laughs> to go have sex. Oh my God, there's so many issues. Let me, I mean, listen, first note right off the bat, I find what they're doing to be very problematic sans piranha. I think like, listen, I am not going down to it. First of all, I have a fear of like sunken ships and submarines. <laughs> That's the scariest thing to me. They keep coming all movie long. They keep coming back to this goddamn sunken ship. And it, I think, I think it's terrifying, but anyways, they're like swimming through it. They're going through portholes. And then out of nowhere, the broad <laughs> pulls out a knife and cuts the dude, just cuts off his bathing suit. So now he has no bathing suit, which well, is she, already well, an issue. She got naked too. Do you know? She, she got, she's full on naked. This woman is nude. Yeah. But so I would be terrified first that the ship's going to collapse on me. It's been decaying forever. Second, I'd be terrified that I would get some sort of parasite in my butthole in your, well, or in, in my penis hole. hole. That Those things happen. That happens. Oh, Fungal infections. I don't. For fools, they're fools. They're letting it enter this woman as she mounts him. It's- well, that—that that isn't even. They take off their masks too to kiss. 
they're getting how real are you ballsy. pissing underwater with water if you opened your mouth to kiss your partner of course you're going to get a mouthful of salt water it's not going to be there's it's not sexy I, I was like this is ridiculous uh although the gay and the gay in me i'm going to tell you the gay in me did notice he had quite the bulge in oh. those red little speedos i did know that notice furry that. body he's handsome oh and he's... she took yeah she took her his knife oh yeah cut, cut his little undies off but they're going at it she's mounting him and then you hear this buzzing <laughs> it's like, what is that noise <laughs> the, the, i think here's, here's one of my biggest issues with the movie well i don't even want to say it's an issue it's just something i acknowledge this movie it's called piranha 2 but i wouldn't say there's really anything really piranha about it in fact this fish is a piranha mixed with a flying fish mixed with a fish that likes to mate on the beach that I keep forgetting the name of it, but it's multiple fish mutated together. And apparently somehow, and I think they have this in the original film too. I think it made the same noise, but it produces this like, <laughs> like, like this like warbling noise when it's, when it's approaching. And I don't know if it's the wings. Cause you you find out these fucking fish have wings. Um, but I really don't know if it's the like the fish itself making that noise or if it's supposed to just be like a, a dramatic stinger. But even though it is really absurd, I do also find it like kind of impactful. Like I think it adds to the fury and the swarm of these things. Oh, and a swarm indeed there is because the, a swarm of these piranhas attack this lovemaking couple. <laughs> How do you thrust under, under I, the sea? I don't know. They tear the <laughs> shit out of them. And it's hard to see what's actually going on. It doesn't really give you a good, clear glimpse of what these things look like until later on in the film. You just see like a big blob of black start attacking the guy and like blood is coming everywhere. And you do get kind of the effective shot. I do like kind of the effective shot of like the woman's bloody hand as she's tr- trying to reach the railing above her and it just slowly falls down and... You know, they, they, they're deceased. And you know what? I don't know what they expected. I don't know what they expected. You go underwater to have sex. You take your oxygen mask off, uh, fit 40 meters under the sea. I don't know what you expect is going to happen. You are putting yourself in a very uh, precarious situation. Again, fish aside, if it's not the piranha, it could be a shark. It could be a pack of eels. At one point, they're trying to go through, like, what could it have been? Barracudas. Barracudas. It could be any of those things. Barracuda. But I do feel that one of the shots that you do get every once in a while, and because you get the same thing. There's only so much these piranhas can do. They, <laughs> they swarm and they devour. And that's it. And it's it's effective. It continuously is effective for me. Not really effective, but like it works. Like it gets the job done. But there is one shot that they'll show occasionally, which will be like the woman's torso as the heads of the fish are like picking at her. And like... Be, when you see that angle, I think it's actually rather effective. When you see the fish like go in for a bite, though, <laughs> oftentimes it's very clear it's a puppet and it is rather comedic, I have to say. Oh, God. That's the, yeah, this film needed uh, a lot of more budget than it had for special effects because, yeah, literally you can tell someone's holding a piranha puppet and ta- attacking somebody with it. I, I, I mean, it's it's humorous. It's fun. It makes the film, it gives the film kind of a certain fun charm to it. As long as you can sit back and not take this film seriously, I think you're going to have a, a blast with it. For the most part, it's, it's pretty briskly paced. Like we said, there's colorful characters. After this opening kill, you do get one of the longest opening credit sequences in cinematic history. <laughs> it just oh, that goddamn ship. <laughs> you get to know every fucking 
inch of this sunken ship. I could walk. I could write you a blueprint of that fucking boat after watching. When you get to know every every single person that was involved in the making of this film, including the person that brought the donuts in the morning, they literally list every person single. This goes on forever. I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" All I want to see is all we need to know is James Cameron. Just flash it up on the screen and move on. But it takes forever. But once you get through the opening credit scene, you are introduced to a character by the name of Young Chris, played by. Ricky Paul Golden, who was quite the little heartthrob back in the day. Yeah, it's surprised they don't utilize him more. <laughs> well, because <laughs> after you get to I know did. him, he goes away forever. <laughs> yes, and I have an issue with this opening scene. Okay, so he's comes out of the ocean with his little pail, and he's going up to his hotel room, and his mother Annie, who is our protagonist, our final girl, if you want to say that, is in bed. And okay, I had never seen this before. It was kind of, you know, the the picture's not that clear. So you couldn't really tell that she's much older than him. I thought this was his lover. And I thought that for quite a while because their dynamic together, I don't know if you got this, is very like sexual. Like he puts a fish in her face and she's like, get that out of my face. And then he drops it. She's like, get that out of my face. He's like on top of her trying to grab it. And I was like, oh, this is a cute couple. Look at this. And then you find out it's his fucking mother. I'm like, what the fuck? The the Oedipus complex (laughs) vibes at play between these two. I mean, I'm a convinced an affair had to have happened on this set between these two actors. Because, I mean, A, he's the son, but he looks like, I mean, he looks like he's probably 21. I'm guessing he's playing 18. She, they suck, they put him in those little short shorts. Goddamn, they're short. Yeah, he looks very like, he looks like an attractive college student. And she looks like maybe, maybe 38, 39. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't beyond the, like, I, I really, like, I'm, I swear, I thought these two were a couple. And the way the, the way the camera is moving with them when he's on top of her when he drops that fish it is very sexual and then you cut to you get introduced to the character of tyler who is apparently staying at the same resort um and the room service brings him his breakfast and he's like i don't like these eggs these aren't as scrambled as i like and the hotel guy is like well they're not for you they're for mrs whatever her name is next door so he thinks he's slick and he puts a note in the um the pan with the eggs so then when it's delivered next door chris finds it who chris is the kid and, and throws it out and then we find out that this is apparently a mother and son and then they have another moment here where you thought it was being slathered on thick the seduction between these two now they get even closer and weirder like this next scene between Anne and chris the continuation of their moment where she's like you're a weird boy and you're an imposter because my real son is younger and, sh- and shorter. And she grabs him by the shoulders and she's like, like rubbing him up on his shoulders. And it looks like they're about to literally just passionately kiss. Like, I really thought when she stood up, she was just going to make out with her son. <laughs> I did not know what to understand. That's what, no, that's what it looks like. But you also find out through some of the dialogue that she is working at this resort. She, they're living in this suite. He's not happy about it. He wants to live in a normal house. And he, she just left her husband, his father. And he's like, oh, I got a job on that ship that I'm going out to today. And she's like, that's that's today? And he's like, and he says, yeah. She's like, you know, I, I haven't uh, approved of that yet. And then he makes some weird, was this supposed to be, a, what, Roger? Was this supposed to be some like discreet, like gay joke that he makes? Because he's like, I, I suppose I could stay here at home and and work on experimenting with some fabrics and some colors, you know, since there's no male figure in the house. Like, okay, is he saying that he's going to stay home and 
working with fabric and become gay was that was was that the joke and it just fell flat i, I don't know I, I think he was just more just saying that like oh if i stick around here what am i going to do other than be part of like what you're interested in i think maybe it was kind of going for a similar tone to what you're you're catching on to um but i think he's saying like why, why would i want to stay here and hang out with my mom and you know in, in, in participate in your interests and everything like i want to go do my own thing i want to go work on the boat that's what i'm interested in okay well she lets him go and then you never hear see him again uh which is funny. i mean you well see i him, know but, but pointless it's but he's po- set up it's pointless he's, he's set up to be a focal character in this introductory moment it seems like it's following yes. him more than oh, it seems yeah. like it's following that's her. what i thought i thought oh, okay you're gonna yeah. because most films would take a, a, a character like this especially considering the mother is a protagonist as well they would take both of them and make them you know a focal character and even like establish like a conflict towards the end of the film where like he's in danger she's trying to get to him and that's really not what happens but fuck these two because the the two stars of the show are coming up right now and it is fucking cindy and beverly well we're about to be introduced to an array of intoxicating people i can't get enough of these fuckers one after another after you got that couple you got that old broad mrs wilson who i can't wait to talk about and there definitely isn't enough time spent with these people to make it feel worth it to, to give us this big grand introduction to all these personalities and then to barely come back to them again, other than maybe one other fleeting moment, just feels very unfulfilling. Yeah, no, I agree with you because this whole segment is introducing us to a just a wide variety of people that are staying at this hotel. Again, as I mentioned, Cindy and Beverly, we get introduced to these two broads who are, again, clearly at this hotel to find Dick because one of them overhears the fact that one of the guests behind her is a doctor. She's like, oh, he's a doctor. He's so dreamy. And this guy is a fucking not dreamy at all as we get to see him. But and then and Cindy's like, oh, I want the lifeguard. Why would you want the doctor? I want the lifeguard. And it's just a barrage of people wanting to have sex. These two random newlyweds who I guess their whole shtick is the husband is like a cheap ass because he, she's like, I'm not hungry. And he says, well, we need to eat breakfast because it's included with the price of the room. And that's all these characters are literally given. Like what you just described, like that couple, you see them one other time and they talk about free meals. Like that's the same fucking topic. You get, you see a little bit of, of Cindy and Beverly, certainly not enough considering these voices. I mean, what 60 year old man dubbed Cindy's voice because she sounds like she's been chain smoking to she was four years old. She's got the huskiest voice. And then Beverly is this like big over the top character. And she gets like three significant little vignette moments, but it is not in any way like built upon or is this character given any kind of payoff? Uh, are They're not involved in the finale in any way, shape or form. It's just such a weird choice because Honestly, I don't look at these characters as in any way uh, an Achilles heel or a weak point of the film. I think moments like this are really what give this film the most charm possible. And I wish, oh, how I wish they would have capitalized on this because there's so much potential to have these just really great moments with these characters. And unfortunately, you just don't get enough. Yeah. Well, and then they then we get introduced to you as a 60 year old. Oh my God, my idol! <laughs> Mrs. I I am building up to that. That's my final form, right? Mrs. There. Wilson, who's sitting by the pool, 
molesting lifeguards. As, yeah, the poor lifeguard Ronnie comes up to her, and she literally, and he's looking good in his little tight, you know, uniform, his little tight swim trunks, and she has no qualms about grabbing his shorts and being like, "Ooh, these shorts are so nice. Oh, look, feel how tight they are." At my age, every moment counts. How would you feel about a casual encounter? <laughs> blatantly asks to fuck so she just asks this poor man to fuck her and she's like i can teach you things those young girls couldn't even imagine do you know what the doctor said my husband died of too much excitement oh my god but every word out of this woman's mouth is gold gold oh my god and the last thing we see of her i don't know if you recognized it or realized it troy but she has a final moment, and it it leaves me really aching to know what the outcome of her was, because I don't know what happens to this woman, <laughs> but she has one more moment, and she shines like the fucking sun. But yeah, so you're, you go through all of these introductions, really thinking they're establishing this big ensemble cast, only to go to another sequence where, like, out in the middle of the ocean, you've got this character whose name is, is uh, Gabby. And his child, who, I don't know the story behind that one, but they're apparently, they're dynamite fishing, (laughs) which they light a piece of dynamite, they throw it to the sea, and it erupts, and they catch the fish that are killed in the explosion, which seems problematic. And of course, the police do appear right away. (laughs) The police, oh yeah, it's Sheriff Kimbra, who is played by Lance Henriksen, probably the best known actor of the entire cast. Who's competent in the role? You know, you don't really ever get to know him beyond like a one-dimensional type character, but it's great to see him, you know, in his younger days appear in this film and bring some, you know, uh, established talent to the cast. But yeah, he scolds this guy like really aggressively at first. And it was hard to tell like what's the dynamic between these two because the sheriff is like, oh, I'll lock you up and throw away the key and nobody will give a shit that you're gone. They won't even care that you're gone. Nobody will even ask about you. And then the Gabby character throws him a piece of dynamite and he catches it and has to throw it out in the ocean and it explodes and kills all these fish. And the sheriff's like, well, are you cooking these up tonight? Okay, I'll be at your I'll be at your place. It's like really weird. It's such a change in in tone because I really think these two people are about to fight, and then all of a sudden you realize like they have a history. They're together. inviting each other to dinner, and, and the Gabby's like, "Yeah, you can come as long as you bring a good side dish." And what is the deal with the son? Can the son not talk? I think the son is supposed to be. Is he um, mute? Yeah, I think he. I think there's a developmental issue there, but they don't touch on it at all. All you get are a few little moments of him making like growling and stuff, grunts the, and everything. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what is what is the deal here? But again, it ultimately doesn't matter. No, it, um, none of it matters. Okay, so I like this. Chris, young Chris, shows up at this boat that he got hired for, which is uh, well, this this guy. The captain. <laughs> Tell me this is not a repressed homosexual. Oh, my God. This is the most theatrical <laughs> gay man I've ever you know seen. He re- you know who he reminded me of? Nathan Lane in The Birdcage. Okay, I was going to say uh, Leslie, uh, Beverly, Beverly Leslie, Leslie. Wesley, Will and Grace. Oh, rest in, rest peace, in peace, Leslie Jordan. We love you. But this we is, I was like, how does this guy have a daughter? His daughter, his sunbathing daughter. What's her name? Allison. Alli- who does literally <laughs> nothing. She literally just sits there like, uh, fawn eye. 
died the entire time. Oh my god, I love. I when I was looking at the IMDb page for this, the actress I, I don't know what her name is, but her her IMD picture is literally her sunbathing on this boat. And I'm like, honey, come on, this was 50 years ago. I mean, let her have the moment because she doesn't. She sure don't talk, but she looks pretty. I I thought she kind of looked like Chris with a wig on. They're both very sun kissed. They're tan. They have the same brunette shag. She just has a longer variation, but they immediately are smitten with each other. And the captain is like stomping around, like I dare say, it's like he like literally is like the equivalent of like a 1920s villain like twirling his mustache almost uh sans the actual like arc of being a villain um but he's very big he's very over the top he has a captain's hat and like board shorts and again i'm really thinking this guy is gonna a (laughs) have a real strong story arc in some way shape or form that leads to something and b do not tell me that this man doesn't die horribly like And if he does, we don't know it. We don't know it. <laughs> and it, what? A, oh my God! This man is so set up to have just the most gruesome. Like, oh dear! And he falls into the water, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and they just swarm on him. But you know what? We don't get it, and that's again just not satisfied. Not satisfied <laughs> with the outcome. Oh uh, no! Th- there's yeah. I mean, to this whole th- okay, this whole subplot with Chris and Allison and Captain Dupont c- totally unnecessary. It goes nowhere. I mean, it's fun to watch, you know, this guy act all theatrical, but there's literally no no point to it. You could remove every scene of this ensemble, these this trio from the film, and it would not change anything. Anything. Yeah, well, and like literally, the only purpose Allison has the whole course of the movie is biting her lower lip. Like that's like all she does is like seduce Chris, but Chris doesn't even oh, become a major playing character. Chris does. Chris does not even act like he's into her at first. Well, that's because he wants to fuck his mother. So, <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, we then go back to Beverly. Like there is so much that should really be developing with the storyline. And instead they keep going back to these secondary characters <laughs> with no payoff. Uh, but they go back to Beverly. She's got a moment here coming up. First of all, her and this doctor, they're giving me real strong little shop of horse, Seymour and Audrey vibes because they're both played very cartoonish. So the doctor, she's got eyes for him and she's telling her friend, she's like, I'll send Watch, he's a doctor. I got to get his attention. And Cindy's like, I don't know what you're going to do about it. Like, and so she's like, just watch me. I'll show you. So Beverly, in this bright red bathing suit, all eyes on her, she like frolics into the sea. <laughs> and I, I don't know if this is part of her plan or if she actually injures herself, but she lets out what is I find to be a blood curdling scream. It's very serious. And the doctor sees this happening and waddles into the water and saves her and carries her back. <laughs> but where's the lifeguard? Well, the, the lifeguard is off prepping to fuck is he banging Mrs. Miss Wilson, Wilson. <laughs> in my mind. Because nobody seems to care that this woman is out in the no. sea screaming. screaming. So, that, the, so the doctor <laughs> saves her only for them to have this really big exaggerated dialogue <laughs> oh in which she's God. like, oh, thank you. I know you're a doctor. I'm so happy you saved me. And she's like, oh, I'm not a doctor. And she's like, you're not a doctor. And he's like, I'm a dentist. She's like, you're a dentist. <laughs> it's so- he's like, yeah. He's like, Leo Bell, DDS, at your service. And he's so excited. And then they lean in for like this. Uh, oh, piece. my God. It's such a moment. Like, it is. it is such a moment. 
And for Beverly, of all characters, not to get more of these moments, I am, again, livid. Livid. But the movie does finally start to go in one direction here in a moment. Well, bless this woman for knowing how to lure her man. She's going to get her means. She's going to pretend she's drowning. She's literally feigning death, apparently, in order to have a man fall in love with her. But she does succeed. I mean, you see her later with cornrows <laughs> and doing a dance of seduction. Like, I'm like, I've ever seen well, in a movie was that a sedu- Was that seduction? <laughs> for, this, for this woman, it is. <laughs> and he seemed pleased as much. <laughs> oh my God. But anyway, we got back on track. We got to get back on track. So, so... We're skipping away from Beverly. She's got a new love interest. The annual Fish Fry Beach Festival, we learn, is coming up. In which they fill us all in <laughs> on what the, the spawning is. It's, it's Raul. He is the club the... manager. I do want to mention this because I caught this right away. He's giving he, he has his employees kind of in the break room. And he's basically the, he's giving them the briefing on the activities for th- for today and did you mention did you notice he mentions that there's a mr muscle competition going on that day which he clearly and very sternly says and i'm judging that (laughs) 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 there are several characters in this film that i think unintentionally have these very deep rooted homosexual undertones (laughs) that i don't know why was he so aggressive about (laughs) i'm judging that because he's the villain let's be clear Raul is, if there is a human version of the piranha in this movie, <laughs> a human villain, it's Raul. He's the closest you come to it. And he is the same villain you see in every ocean slash sea-based creature feature in which there is always a mayor, a businessman, an investor, a park owner, whatever it may be, who refuses to shut down the event. Of course, Raul refuses to shut down the annual fish fry as you will learn but that's that's his storyline he does fine with it he's quite unlikable uh, again he does not get the death he deserves <laughs> well i want i wanted to see this mr muscle competition I we know. never get to see that either we don't we don't get to see a lot Instead of we get we want fish we, we want fish. Don't. i want muscle men i want muscle men I want my- don't you tell no, that- me that that fish event doesn't look like something that you and I would have a fucking ball at down to the down to the torches and the beating of the fish oh my god don't even get me started okay so yeah so then we learn about the this giant fish fry that they are having oh that my- night by these and he, he makes Anne tell tell the story about what this is and it's I think they're called gunions. Yeah. Grunions. Grunions. <laughs> and apparently they, every one night a year, these, these fish think they're really doing something and they, <laughs> they swim to shore to find a mate and they have sex on the beach and the resort people beat them to death and put them in a frying pan. <laughs> it's, it's a the, very, it's a depressing story. It's it really the most, it's, it did not go the direction I expected it to go when she started telling the story. But it is really one of the saddest aspects of the film is what they do these poor grunions. Because when you see what an event is, these people are hunting them down. It's like Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. These townspeople are ready <laughs> to go. <laughs> but so, so, yeah, so the annual fish rice is this big thing. The grunions are coming, and it is it is a key point that these things do come up on the beach. They mate there on the beach. You know, they're able to come out of the water. 
you find out there is a key reason why this plays a factor and is actually tied into the the main antagonist, the, the piranhas. This is worth acknowledging, this whole kind of fish event that's coming up. We then get introduced to uh, more people. And this gal, I mean, I'm a gay man, but I gotta say, this Jay, Loretta and Jay, two damsels. Loretta's beautiful, Loretta's gorgeous. I also think that Jay, the dark-haired one, is stunning. Oh, no, no, no. That's who I meant. Oh I, meant Jay. I meant Jay. Loretta's fine. She's fine. She's fine, but Jay's got the most beautiful- Exotic beauty, The most yes. beautiful nipples I've ever seen on celluloid. Well, because, of course, they're topless. We They're topless on a boat. And I was trying to get- I was trying to gather what their story is. Are they pretending? Are they coming up with some like elaborate story that they've been stranded at sea because she's like writing in her journal and she's reading what she wrote to Loretta. And she's like, Oh, we've been stranded for four days and we're out of food and water and we don't know what we're going to do. It lost. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I think that there is a certain element of truth to it in that there is this whole moment coming up where Jay sneaks into the event and steals food from it. Um, this is like, that is their storyline. It's not much more than that, but I think that they're kind of floating within the vicinity and they decide to go over and steal things from this event because they have run out of some of their own supplies. Lesbians, by the way, I believe lesbians, absolutely lesbians. They probably are lovers. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I don't, they're also very shitty people because what they do to this poor uh, amateur cook that we're going to be introduced oh, to here named Mal, who was he? I liked him. He was so like, okay, we'll get there. Uh, we're getting there. In the meantime, <laughs> okay, so the, sh- uh, sh- the sheriff shows up to the boat that Chris is working on and wants to talk to Chris. He like demands one of them come and talk to him. So Chris volunteers. And again, this was a, came out of nowhere. We find out that the sheriff, uh, Lance Hendrickson, is... Chris's father and the husband of Annie. It just like comes out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, interesting. But I like this what? plot angle, to be honest. I, I mean, I do, but it to me, it really, from what I was gathering from their story, and maybe it was just me making up a story, a backstory in my mind based on the first scene when Chris and Annie are talking, and she's like, oh, yeah, I took this job because I have to, you know, we have, I have to save money, and they're giving me this place for free and he's like why can't we live in a house again and be normal people again my mind was okay so they must have she left her husband out in the mainland and they moved this island because she got this job well no you find out that her husband is the sheriff of this island or whatever so in my mind it was like this is kind of a weird thing to introduce that her husband is the sheriff here when it was sort of insinuated at least in my mind that her and chris just left her husband and moved to this town and she got this job and that's why they were staying at this hotel i don't know maybe i'm, I'm reading too much into piranha too but i felt like it was a, a weird plot well, your point. confusion makes sense because it's a caribbean <laughs> resort <laughs> hotel so it's not i mean like i'm just saying like i don't know where this very caucasian family if, if they if this is like where i would imagine them living if they weren't involved with this hotel but he's also like the area police uh you know the sheriff and everything yeah it's it's just so it's a weird angle um they don't feel exactly like they fit within the area no no and i kind of just didn't buy them as husband and wife either their dynamic was off a little bit they never really seemed to be like that they had a history together does that make sense yeah, there's there's a couple moments where you see them like they're starting to get over their issue, 
And God, I wish that they would have given them a few more moments because neither of them are actually bad. Like, I think Annie's actually a reasonably likable female protagonist. She's focused. She's determined to solve the issue. She's got harpoons in hand. Um, And Steve is all of the cliche angry sheriff traits, but he's not played poorly. They just aren't given enough time to really flesh out their relationship because she has another male interest, which in the form of Tyler, that really, I think, takes away from some of of Steve's development. You're right. They weren't given a lot of time for the the relationship to develop, but I also just feel like there's a lack of chemistry maybe between the two actors. I do feel like uh, Annie has a lot more chemistry with the Tyler character than it ever seems she has with the Steve character who's supposed to be her husband, you know, that they have a child together who's this, however old this child's supposed to be. It was just weird. It was really weird. It kind of struck me very odd when you find out that this is the father, but he's kind of scolding Chris. He's like, you need to tell DuPont to keep that radio on. I need to be able to get a hold of you whenever I need to. So, and then he drops Chris back at the boat. DuPont comes out. He's like, Oh, what was that all about? And Chris is like, Oh, he wanted to strip search the boat for drugs, but I, I took care of it. And then we do get this moment of Sheriff Steve running into Annie. And again, it just doesn't ring like they are a couple. He's like, oh, Annie, how have you been doing? And they just have this weird, awkward conversation that ultimately is his, the whole point of it is him asking about this dinghy that's missing, which is the one that the couple from the opening of the film took. He found it tied up still out in the middle of the ocean or whatever. And again, very just weird. There's no like dynamic between the two. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on that. Um, I do like the way that that opening kill does kind of like come into play in the sense that he's found the dinghy, which is what brings you to the area of the Fitzgerald wreck. That's the name of the wreck. Um, And so this, and you will find that this just, this is, it's either this or the resort. You're If you're not the resort, you're in that goddamn wreck. So they, all eyes are on this wreck now. Um, and, And so you do have this tiny little moment between them but it's like these little like brief sequences of them together that don't really go anywhere. It is really all the more on Tyler, which is like such a strange call. I feel you on that. Well, this is the scene where the lovely Jay sneaks into the resort kitchen to steal some food and she's just going to town. Like she's not trying to be covert about this at all. She has a big old box. She's filling it up with anything she can get her hands on until Mal comes out, who is an amateur chef who works at the resort and confronts her about what she's doing. And in in, in de- definitely cliched fashion, she's able to you know, calm him down by promising him that if he doesn't tell anybody and lets her go, that he can come out to the boat at six o'clock that evening and meet her in Loretta. And then she makes the little comment to him, have you ever been with two women at once? He's like, oh, it's a date. I feel like this is such a trope scenario in which you have like... Well, the way he's portrayed to... And yet, well, that's what I'm saying is that he's, you know, she's portrayed to be one extreme, beautiful and conniving. And he's portrayed to be like a big, dumb oaf. And he doesn't feel at all realistic or believable. He's very much like, oh, my name's Mel. And um, it, it seems... Very much a stereotype, very much something I picture of the era, this whole like gag coming up between them um, that's about to come up when he gets to the dock and everything. It, it does seem very much like they literally wrote this moment in simply for them to have this whole gag. 
of someone like falling in as a boat pulls away. You'll hear about it in a moment, listeners. But that's really like all you get from these characters. This, and then you never see Mal again. No, you never see him again. And he 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 does does he does something very smart though. He agrees because he wants sex because that's what she says to him. He's like, "Oh, it's a date," and. He grabs the food from her and he's like, oh, I'll make you something for dinner because I'm an amateur chef. Give me the food pack. So he doesn't let her leave with the food, which I thought, okay, smart move, smart move, because if she would have left with the food, you would have never saw her again. But again, yeah, the way he's portrayed, he's, he's stuttering. It kind of reminds me of like Billy Bibbit from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but a little bit more, like you said, doofy um, and it just, it was, it just felt really uncomfortable because I, I, the actor was, you could totally tell the actor was acting. And I know that sounds odd, but it just didn't ring. It rang, it rang kind of almost uh, to the point of a little bit being, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say offensive, but just maybe poor taste. Yeah. I I hear you on that. It feels almost like they're trying to play him off as like simple, Um, kind of like an officer doofy from scary movie. Yeah. That's like, that's to the extreme that they're playing him almost. Uh, And so it just isn't really flattering. I feel like it's unnecessary. It really goes really nowhere other than, like I said, that gag. And another thing that irritates me is Jay's dialogue is clearly dubbed and it's actually credited as dubbed uh, online, you can find the information the actress that did the voice. It's dubbed the whole movie, and it's really distracting because this girl's gorgeous, but it's clearly like not her voice coming out of her. So luckily, she's not in a ton of scenes because it does pull me out of the moment. Well, I did. I did read that the the producer hired a bunch of actor and crew that did not speak English, which caused a huge rift between the cast and crew and James Cameron, who was trying to direct. And if the stories are true that he was fired after two weeks, I think that had a lot to do with it because the communication was just not it was not possible. So it, it was to save money or something. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of dubbing in this film, which is odd considering, you know, it is a James Cameron film even though it's his first one and it's a little jarring. It's a little jarring to be honest with you. Uh, We cut to Annie who is prepping her dive class, who is about to go down to this sunken Navy ship to explore, but they, they can't go in it. And there's like this obnoxious guy in the, in the, in the class. He's like, we can't go in it. Well, that stinks. This sucks. And we get Tyler there, who is the one that flirted with Annie at the beginning of the film, who, who sent her the little note. And she notices him and she asks him right away. She's like, why are you here? You seem like you're a great diver. Why are you in this class? He, he said, well, I'm bored. And I heard the instructor was cute. A flirtation. And it, that flirtation continues for a hot minute here. Oh, he he has, this dude has some corny lines that I could have done with that. Like he, he says, do you dive on the first date? Oh my God. Annie is a classy lady. I mean, come on now. Don't try pulling that shit with her. She's leading although a goddamn she, dive class. Although she does put out on their first date. I mean, a woman needs what a woman needs. <laughs> but so Annie's leading this dive class. She's capable. She's competent. Annie's got her shit together. I like how she's handled over the course of the film. She makes a few weird choices, but she's just a well-handled character. I And I, I like her being in a position where she's kind of the one in power leading this class down there. She's a skilled diver. So she takes this group down. She notices as they're swimming through this wreck that one of the divers does still go into the boat and because she was like don't fucking do it and they go it's in. that douche that was the, it's the douche in the audience that yeah. was like questioner wasn't yeah. it is that who it yeah. Was? yeah yeah and so uh, i think his name is maybe robert they mentioned it at one point yeah um and so 
She follows him, and when she goes in through the boat, you have this pretty effective sequence in which she discovers the partially devoured body of Robert inside. I know. They they certainly devoured him pretty quickly because they hadn't been down there that long. I mean, she literally follows like right behind him. She's not too far behind. And I'm also surprised that if he's been devoured that quickly, why do they not find her and start devouring her? Like, are they hiding from her? How does she avoid death? But what, either way, the fish managed to flee the scene. They're nowhere to be seen. Nobody knows how this happened. She doesn't actually see a fish. She just finds the body. But it's a well-done body. You see it multiple times over the course of the movie, and this guy looks heavily mutilated. Well, yeah, as he would by being attacked by a school of these these crazy fish. And like you said, yeah, they just disappear. Like, do they not know that there's a whole bunch of people down there that are food for them if these are supposed to be like ultimate killing machines? I love how mysterious these piranha are. The sheriff, of course, is informed that they found a dead body in the water during this dive so he goes to interrogate annie who is being consoled by tyler and this is when the sheriff is like was it an eel was it a shark did you see anything she's like no it was none of them and he's being like real aggressive towards her and she's like i just want to see the body and he says no you can't see the body and she questions why and he's like because you are responsible and if something if there's a lawsuit or something for negligence, you're going to be the one that's responsible and this can be used for ev- evidence. So you cannot see this body. Yeah, she could be held liable, which is honestly a valid point. But she's also like c- convinced. You like, can't let people just ran. You can't just let people go around course. seeing bodies. You know. Yeah. yeah, just because she's the diver doesn't mean she has a room to be seeing the body. But of course, she wants to make sure like. A, that her name is cleared, and B, she's genuinely curious because she's like, I have no fucking idea what could have done that. It just doesn't make sense. I also want to bring up that a majority of the scenes that you get Tyler in, he's in these very short shorts, if not a Speedo. Mm. Which I'm okay Looking with. Good. I'm okay with. Yeah, he looks good in them. He looks real good in them. And he, this is also when Tyler asks, well, who's that guy? And she has to tell him it's her husband. And then we get the scene where Mal has come out. He's he's comes to the ship that has or the boat that has Jay and Loretta on it. And he's cooked them this fabulous dinner. We can assume it is. And it's just, again, stupid scene, pointless, supposed to be comedic. It's not. They trick him into handing them the box and then untying the boat. And they're like, oh, jump in. And he's like, oh, it's too far. And he's just like this bumbling idiot. And he does jump in and lands in the water and they laugh at him and they're like, Oh, see you later asshole. And it's just like, uh, was this really necessary? Are people really that mean? But I mean, I guess also considering that these gals, I mean, let's be real. They meet their demise very soon. I mean, they're the kind of people I do want to see get their comeuppance. Well, they get shitty it. women. They get it. Oh, how, Oh, how, Oh, how they get it. It's very unexpected. They they have no idea what's coming when they get it. <laughs> so let's be clear. But yeah, poor Mal. And you never see him again, like we said. Like there's no there's no closure to the character. Nobody comforts him after he's highly embarrassed. Poor fucking Mal. So um Tyler is attempting to convince Anne to go or Annie. Anne, Annie, they call her both, to go for a drink. They they meet up in like a, a lovely like alleyway. Um, of the of the town she's walking down this cobblestone path he encounters her and he's trying to get her to take her uh for a drink and he's trying to seduce her and uh, she's being very standoffish at first but she gives in because he's being persistent so she buys into it 
Um, and I actually kind of start to like a little bit of what develops between them because I do think Tyler is one of the better actors in the film. So they do have this like, kind of flirtation that's developing. Um, it, I feel it makes him more likable than Stephen. What do you? Think? I definitely prefer Tyler to Stephen, and so the, like the, towards the end of the film, when, with what happens, it really pissed me off. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, because it's such. It was almost that that type of death is is sort of reserved for a secondary character, and the way they just did it. They, with the way they handled Tyler at the end of the film, I was not okay with because he is very charming. Even though you do find out that he has ulterior motives, um, he's still charming. He's still saying the right things to her. He's, just, he's like, I just want to spend time with you. That's all. I don't care what we do. Just let me spend time with you. And so she agrees and she's like, okay, just follow me then. And she takes him on their first date, quote unquote, to the morgue where she is going to break in with her American express card or MasterCard, and go into the morgue to take pictures of the body, because this is how determined Annie is. She needs to know what caused this to the diver because she feels like she was responsible for him. You got to give her kudos, but she's taking pictures of this body. He's making wise cracks when all of a sudden out of nowhere, this nurse comes in a star of the fucking movie. I love. Oh, movie. and she's like, you guys get out of here. I'm tired of people coming in here. We had people from Halloween come in and she kicks them out. Oh, she's not fucking around this one. She is not too pleased to find them taking photos of that body. But Annie does get, she does get several photos. And so they manage to get what they need. And so she like chases them out with like a broom. Uh, and after they leave, <laughs> I gotta say, I, I don't fully understand the logistics of what happens here um, from multiple angles. So this woman, she's pissed and she is looking at the body and she realizes that the cloth on it, like that was used to cover it has been pulled off and it's caught under the wheel. So she like bends down to, to pull the cloth out and she stands up and you do get several really good shots of, of the corpse, like how devoured it is at this point. Cause it's down to the bone in several areas. And you also see it when the photos are being taken too. It's very Texas chainsaw. Cause they, every time the camera flashes, you get a, a close up of the body. So this, you know, this lovely nurse, um, who's over it, she stands up, she's looking at the body, and from what appears to be the innards of the body, the, like as in like, like the guttural area, is a fish, <laughs> is a piranha. And it popped his head out and it's like, bleh! <laughs> and, like and, and I get it, I get that we learn that these fish can like get out of the sea and like be exposed to the air and be okay for a certain period of time. But this thing has been in this body for what I'm assuming to be multiple hours. Is it like, can these things just like exist on land, like unlimited? I don't know. I'm asking too many questions. I'm overthinking it. But so the, the nurse sees this fish, it, it shrieks at her and it proceeds to lunge, <laughs> like violently lunge at this woman's throat. And I don't know what it is about these piranha, but they are pre-programmed and have a full understanding to go for the jugular every uh -huh. time. <laughs> oh yeah. And so yeah, it attacks this poor woman and rips her throat out right there on the morgue floor. And then it proceeds to jump oh off the wind, God. fly out the window. <laughs> this fish is <laughs> maniacal. It knows exactly what it's doing. These are the smartest fucking fish I've ever seen. And I, I mean, 
I I gotta admit that there's something really entertaining to me about seeing these fish just fly through the sky, biting people in the throats. Like it gives me exactly what I want from this movie. So I can't while complain about it while they're chirping. They just go. They they're diving at throats, and a lot of times the the kills feel a little overcut. But there's oftentimes that you get some really gory shots of like throats being ripped open, and it's oh, yeah. still effective in a way. What do you think? Oh, I love some of the kill scenes, and especially towards the end that, well, I, I don't know if you want to call it the Grand Massacre, because it was pretty, it was okay. I was expecting a lot more uh, oh. based on the buildup. There are some cool uh, shots of like the after effects of the throats being ripped out with like blood gurgling out of, out of ripped throats and stuff. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's a film about flying piranhas. I don't know what. You, I don't know what they could have done in 1981, but it, what they do is entertaining. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Annie back at her suite is looking at these pictures and she is like, I still can't figure out what did this. Tyler suggests that it, maybe it was a new species that she just doesn't know about. And she's like, Oh, you, you're right. You know? And then she does tell the story that you alluded to at the beginning of the episode about the army creating a killer fish that they specifically dumped in the rivers of Vietnam to screw up their river system. Uh, and she mentions that they, uh, a bunch of them escaped from their tank and killed a lot of civilians. So you do get the story. And then this is when I was questioning, I was like, okay, is this like the plot of the first one? Yeah, I definitely think it's kind of loosely associated with it, but I don't think you need to sit down and watch both of these one after another to make sense of the well, story. I would, I would hope the story is not that <laughs> elaborate <laughs> Let's here. be real. <laughs> Yeah. And then this is out of nowhere where she does ask Tyler to stay the night with her. And she even says, we don't have to make love or anything, but they do. Girl, when you're saying, when you're saying to me, we don't have to make love or anything. To me, that's saying, bang, bang it out. Go to work. Get to work. And he does. He gets to fucking work. Take those little, you know, fuck me shorts off and pound me. Back to the lesbian lovers for a minute. Let's get back to these two. I say lesbians because these gals, I mean, I don't think that they own more than one top that they share as needed. Because when it's not for Jay going out and stealing things, these women are topless 24-7. But I get it. What a free life that must be. Just sitting on ships, knockers out to the wind. And so they're just laying out after what I'm assuming to be a delicious meal. And... Right away, <laughs> like it's not like there's much of a buildup. L- Loretta, Loretta's sitting there just admiring the night sky, and and the the sea starts churning around the boat, and none of them really notice what's going on. But one of these flying fish hits the window of the boat, and Jay's like, "Loretta, what was that?" And so Loretta like waddles around the boat, and she's up against like the sail. She's looking around, and then. Out of fucking nowhere, from right off the side of the camera, a piranha just swoops in and starts gnawing at this gal's throat. And it's just devouring her. I mean, this fish flew out of the sea. <laughs> it pops through the sail. Oh, it though. does. I love that it, effect. It, it rips your right. It, right, like, it rips through the cor- throat. right off the corner, like out of nowhere. It just appears out of nowhere and starts eating this woman's throat. And poor Loretta. I mean, she gets the worst of it in this movie. She falls right into the ocean, and they just start devouring her. Oh, and you get you get Jay grabbing that pole. Loretta! 
yeah, she's like, grab that pole. What a, what in God is happening? Loretta. Pull herself out. <laughs> she's, but then she's attacked by a piranha. She's attacked. One of them comes out of nowhere and bites her throat. She's like, Wah! and it takes her down right there on the boat. She just drops. She drops. I got to say these piranha, when it comes to the piranha of the sky, when they're not in the sea, but they're actually like on land, these piranha are very wasteful. They take a chunk or two out of the throat, the, the, and then they're, and they're gone. And they're wait, like people. <laughs> there are full meals waiting here. Go tell your other piranha. Go tell the other this rest of the school to come and find this woman. At least put put the rest <laughs> of her to use. But no, they just they take a couple bites and they're gone. Uh, and so that's the end of that. <laughs> now these two women are dead. Yeah, they are dead, and this is also when, right after this happens, good old Sheriff, for some reason, goes to the morgue and finds the dead nurse, and he also finds Annie's credit cards, so he knows that she was there. So he goes back to the hotel room to confront her, and of course, she's in bed with Tyler. They're both naked, and he is none too happy. He like fucking scolds her and says, you are... This was your fault. This is what I found at the the at the morgue, and you don't have any room to talk to me because I have three dead people here, and you were the last to see all of them. And I don't want to hear no bullshit about a fish. <laughs> well, there's this great moment when Steve like arrives at Annie's house, and he like or her her suite, and he enters, and he like walks up to the bedroom, and you just see Tyler who's awake, and Tyler like doesn't know what to do, so he just like waves at him. <laughs> And Steve like storms out, but um, yeah, they have this. They have like a, a nice little argument between the two of them, where she's just adamant. She's like, "I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm going to prove it's these fish." She's like, "You keep away from the fish, and you keep away from the bodies." <laughs> and he yells at her, and he stomps out. <laughs> yeah, and that's like what is she left to do is put on this sensible little you know short ensemble. And tell Steve or tell Tyler that, hey, there's breakfast in the refrigerator for hungry. I have some business to go take care of. So her business is to go talk to Raul. And she's being very sensitive. She's like, listen, we, you know, because of the accident yesterday, I'm canceling the dive. Uh, I don't think we should have any water activities, honestly. And he tells her she's being ridiculous because I am booked. The dives are booked. The water activities are booked full. This is ridiculous. And she's like, well, no, I really think we need to do this for the safety. And what does he do? He fires her. He's like, you know what, Annie, you're fired. And I want you out of that suite by tomorrow morning. He says, you're sticking up a red hot poker up my ass by canceling right now. Very gay line. Again, with the homoerotic undertones. But yeah, he's a fucking asshole. He straight up, he just fires her and really bitchily. He's like, and I could use you, sweet. So make sure that you're ev- evacuated by the morning. He's such a little bitch about it. But Annie is, she's annoyed, but she's a woman on a mission. She is a woman on a mission and she actually goes on a mission. She's like, you know what? I'm going to prove that to this fucker that these things exist. So she goes out to the river or the ocean to do the dive to the sunken ship again. In the meantime, as she's doing that, Tyler calls someone uh, and you get this conversation where you find out that he is a basically like a, what is he? A marine biologist or something. And he knows about these fish and he knows that she is beginning to catch on and he tells this person, hey, we can use this to our advantage because if she's the one that blows the whistle, then our asses will be off the line. So now you get this, I guess, sort of complex, maybe I guess as complex as you're going to get with this film, little motivation for why he was so like adamant 
on getting Annie in the first place. It's because it's not because he really likes her. It's because he knows that he can use her to his advantage. But I also do think that he genuinely starts to become fond of her because I don't feel by the end of it, I don't feel like he's looking to uh, hurt her or any way. He doesn't want her to be hurt. He's just trying to find a solution, but they do play his character uh, with a little bit of grace towards the end of the movie. He's not a complete asshole. No, no, but it was sort of like a an element that was thrown in there. And so w- his character immediately becomes less likable. Right? He does. He does. Because you know he's pissed. Yeah, you know he has an ulterior motive. Well, yeah, because she goes down for this dive. He, she gets to the, um, she goes down there with her harpoon. This is when she's armed with her harpoon. She swims down to this, you know, this wreckage. When she finds the piranhas eating this head, right? They're just feasting on this head, and they they hear her and they turn towards her. But in the right in the nick of time, Tyler for some reason is down there, is able to save her and pull her out of the ocean onto the boat. And this is when he tells her, hey, I'm, how do you, she's like, how do you know about all this stuff? Why are you here? And he's like, I got to be honest with you. I am a, you know, I'm a biochemist. Uh, there were four containers of these piranha eggs that were in the ship that, that sank. And she immediately is like, you fucking asshole. You knew about this all along and you, you haven't told me. And he's like, well, I can't tell you it's classified information. And she's like, you, there's people that are dead. You better start spilling it. So he does say, okay, so I was involved in this thing where several species were spliced together um, and they wanted to create like the perfect killing machine. So they wanted to take the, the, like the piranha traits, the grunion traits, and then make them fly and make them adaptable. So they didn't have to just be in water that they could live in land. She's like, well, you got to help me. And he's like, no, you can't even tell anybody that I'm here. And she's like, well, you better help me now and get the hell out of my way. I love her. I love her. I love how determined she is. And I gotta say, I don't know what scientist or biochemist or whatever whatever it takes to come up with this idea. I don't know who thought that making kill, <laughs> killer fish <laughs> that could exist on land. I don't know who thought that was smart. On any account. I don't care if you're using it as a weapon. Well, I just why would you bring that into the world? Because to me, fish are not creatures that can reason. <laughs> They're not creatures that you can train. They're not flying fish. It's not like you can instruct them on what to do. You're going to create them and they're just going to fly up and they're going to start eating people. They're not going to care who they're eating. They're not going to know who to target certain people. So I think this was a really poor choice on the military's behalf. Obviously, it was a poor choice. It killed, it's, look, look how many people have been killed by these things. It's just willy-nilly. They're just randomly attacking topless women. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess that's the big question with this film is if you're trying to take it seriously like is the military really going to sit there and think oh what is a what is a creature that we can make a hybrid of that would really terrorize a a group uh you know our enemies and would would a piranha would a fish be the first thing you thought of wouldn't you think of like oh we need we need some hybrid tigers or you know some wolves or something i would would not think a piranha or a fish is going or especially a grunion is going to be that intimidating well maybe that's the point they're unassuming <laughs> like I wouldn't expect if I'm out in the middle of Vietnam and I'm just standing by the edge of the ocean, I am not going to expect or anticipate it when 
multiple fish fly from the sea and eat me. I'm not even going to be prepared. I won't be able to shoot them. But how do you control them if you're the military? That's like, the problem. What is, your, what is your purpose? How are you? What is your goal? Ultimate goal when you release these thousands of flying oh, piranhas upon your enemy? That's where how they overlook the, something. Though. How are the piranhas going to distinguish what's what's an enemy and what's not? Well, I mean, they're eating. They're eating perfectly good people here. That's definitely the, where there somebody on the scientific lab they need researching to be fired. needs they to, need be, to fired be fired because this is a problem. <laughs> I want to go back real quick. There's a moment that I actually thought was really effective. It was the moment where you found the head being devoured. And I got to say, for a movie that really doesn't always hit when it comes to some of the effects, that shot of that fleshy skull head being gnawed upon. Like, I think but whose head was it? Whose I think it's Loretta. Oh, is it Loretta? Because she got pulled to the bottom of the sea. Oh, I remember well, their it? boat was right above. It was because they were floating in that area. But still, I mean, it was a gross shot. It is, no, it looks great. It is a good. It really is a good effect. It really cool. It really is cool. They're like picking at it, uh, and you see it. Yeah, you see it kind of roll around and like flesh coming off of it and floating into little chunks. It's really gross. Um, but after this, you get you get Mister Dupont's grand finale. You get one more scene with Mr. DuPont before we never see him again. And it's a doozy because Sheriff Steve is in his helicopter and he goes to the boat and he has to radio down or use the use the uh, the radio or the, the bullhorn or whatever it's called to wake DuPont up. And DuPont comes to the edge of his boat all flustered. He's like, what did I do wrong? Well, these two men are literally screaming at each other from boat to chopper, just like fully screaming over the, the pulsing blades of the helicopter and it is it is a overwhelming scene it comes out of nowhere and this helicopter comes into play multiple times this helicopter has quite a grand finale by the way and yeah it, it's just a weird scene and this really is the last time you see uh, dupont so it is strange that you leave him just hanging on this note and it is the point where you find like the purpose of the sheriff going to this boat was to get Chris. And we find out that Chris and Allison are no longer on the boat, that they must have taken the dinghy to go exploring. So they're gone. And uh, poor, you know, DuPont is like, if you find my daughter, please let me know ASAP. And yeah, that's the last you hear about him. Uh, or that's the last you hear from him. You never hear from poor DuPont again. Back at the hotel, uh, Ralph and Myrna, the couple, are simply enchanted by this resort. They are taking photos. She is demand. She is demanding it <laughs> that they take photos of this resort. And he keeps taking more and more. He's like, "This one's for your family. This one's for the girls at work. This one's from." It's the same fucking photo every time. Her just <laughs> posing with this thing. Um, and then <laughs> Raul comes over and he informs them of all these lovely perks of this event, including. A dinner that's a gift from the sea, which when you think about it, like they have to kill these fish. It's, it is sad. Um, but then we get that fucking free meal where, uh, where where Ralph is like, well, is it free? Does it come with the hotel? And again, this is the only plot point this character has because we don't have anything else with them. They, they had package B. So indeed, one drink. And some appetizers come with this <laughs> come with this gathering tonight because he's like, and you better have a snack because you know it's going to be after midnight. Yeah, I mean, people are coming in hungry for this event. I assure you. Wait till you see it. So after we have this moment, uh, Steve is shown by Gabby. Remember Gabby earlier throwing the grenades into the, or the the TNT into the sea. Uh, Steve is shown that his fishing nets were pulled back and they're shredded. And the few fish that are caught within the nets 
are like clearly violently partially devoured. So Gabby's like, there's definitely something going on here. I find that Gabby's scenes here coming up are edited really like weird. They're brief. They're real fast. I don't know if this actor just couldn't carry it or what, but I mean, they cut it down to the bare bones. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming probably a combination of things because this actor doesn't really emote very well, even when like he finds his son coming up in, in what's supposed to be probably a traumatic, depressing, just sad scene, and he doesn't sell it at all. So I think it probably was like, oh yeah, let's just do as least amount of possible with this character as we can because and his can we talk about his death scene when we get there oh too? oh we got some issues with that fucking sequence absolutely oh yeah so there annie is uh trying to convince raul that they're in the boardroom and she's trying to convince him that these fish exist and he says i don't care we can't stop the beach activities because it would be like cutting my nuts off it'll fiscally cut his nuts off fiscally oh, cut his yeah and the share and, and and um Raul's like, Sheriff, you're a reasonable man, aren't you? And the sheriff's response is, you're still full of shit, Raul. And he takes out a, a Ziploc bag w- w- in which presumably has a – it's a wing? Well, it's one of the fish wings. It is a big excited yeah, one of the- like fish – like flipper or whatever it is. It's in a It's in a Ziploc. Yeah, it's it's in a Ziploc bag. But it doesn't really prove anything. Like if I was Raul, I'd be like, okay, it's a wing where you you could have made it. It looks like it's paper mache. I don't know. So I really can't blame Raul for being like, oh, okay, because Raul is like, oh well, you know what? Okay, whatever. But I have business to tend to. Sorry. And then he leaves. It is a moment between the sheriff and Annie when he kind of like winks at her saying like i got your back don't worry i'm starting to realize that you might be right it seems like they start to kind of form uh not a relationship again but as you know as a separated couple they start to trust each other again and i do appreciate that angle they needed that because it's really just been all bickering up to this point uh we are now coming on to a scene involving gabby's son which is out of fucking nowhere but honestly as strange of a setup as it may be I enjoy this scene. Well, he gets his moment, at least even though he doesn't have a name or dialogue, he gets a moment. Yeah. He gets a moment. Yeah. He's cleaning up. He's cleaning up the the, the boat dock area and he has to wash his hands and he has to take his watch off because again, watches weren't waterproof back then. So he sets it on the edge of the sink and he's washing his hands. And as he's drying his hands, he actually, he accidentally knocks the uh, watch into the giant sink. So he has to reach down and grab it. And as he gets it and pulls it up, the, a piranha just <laughs> <laughs> comes out of the sink. Comes out of, comes out of the sink, and again <laughs> it latches onto this poor kid's throat. And it's pretty violent. This one's pretty violent. It's it like is. you can see it like gnawing and blood is gushing everywhere. And this this is a kid, and he falls into the the sink, and <laughs> I'm assuming is devoured by this piranha although his body is found by his father here in a bit so it is a it's an interesting scene i i I like it i like the execution of it to be honest with you it's probably the best executed death scene in the entire film even though anytime you get any of the piranhas that are flying out it looks so ridiculously fake but i just like the i like the build up to this one uh yeah i I feel like this is a movie which, like, it it's really hard to build suspense with these creatures. Like, it is, it's, they're, they are just so obviously fake rubber fish. 
but somehow, some way, they still managed to craft these scenes. I guess it must be James Cameron. Um, you know, they, they craft them still in a way that manages to have, like, at times developing suspense. And this has the most of it. You're absolutely right. This moment definitely, like, is the longest, most drawn-out moment. You know something's going to happen. He reaches into the water. You think he's going to get grabbed. Then he finds the watch. And then he gets attacked. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a rather effective moment. I really enjoyed the scene. This is the scene that I saw years ago when I was a kid and kept my interest in this movie because I remember as a kid, I found this scene really terrifying. Um, and so I've always remembered this moment from this film, which has caused me to come back to it a few times. And it still kind of packs a punch in a way. Well, I can see that. I can see it because it's supposed to be a kid and the actor looks fairly young it's not like this is a 35 year old playing a kid it looks like i mean this kid looks like he's a teenager so your mind as a viewer because we are not used to seeing movies kill kids uh, or characters that are supposed to be kids your mind is like oh what's you know what's gonna happen nothing's gonna and then all of a sudden yeah and it's in a very brutal brutal bloody way so yeah i could see where this totally would catch you off guard as a kid and you'd be like damn that is I'd be scared to wash my hands in a in a tub of water again. It just it's one of those things. It's it's the build up because there there is a build up of him like just doing various tasks, like straightening the nets up, doing everything before he actually gets to this point. So I do like the build up. It's slow, it's deliberate. But then yeah, that fucking piranha comes out of nowhere. And then more come. You start to get the shot. This is really the first time you start to get the wide shots of the piranha emerging from the sea <laughs> and like flying into the air because now you know they're flying oh they're flying and so, everywhere and so you start to get some really dramatic shots of them like flying across the screen it, it's really everything i needed from this movie i i am not at all disappointed with the volume of flying piranha okay and so we have all this excitement we have this poor child being mutilated by piranhas we have piranhas flying out of the ocean we have the squeals we have the everything and then we cut to chris and allison on a deserted island is this fucking blue lagoon <laughs> making out fully clothed under a rushing waterfall what the fuck this came out of nowhere. This is like a flying piranha to the face, this scene. They're like rubbing up on each other under the the like rushing, cascading waves, like waterfall that's plowing down on them. But they still got all their clothing on. It's real weird. Yeah, and I, that's that's it. That's the scene. We... They- it just we find out that uh, we find out that Chris and Allison have been on this island making out the entire time, and then they do have this like little chase scene where he's like, "I'm gonna," I don't even know what he says. Whatever, it doesn't matter because these characters don't fucking matter. Uh, there is a, now the emotional moment where Gabby finds his son floating in this sink. Again, I don't know. I mean, the actor really doesn't do much to sell his grief, but I guess it's sad, right? Well, I think one of the things. For this moment specifically that I found real weird is there's like real no build up to the discovery of the body. No. Like it comes up like the body emerges from the the sink. It looks good. He's standing right next to the sink and the body just pops up. There's yeah, no like, like, oh, he's walking slowly to the sink. What's he going to find? No, he's, it's just the, the scene literally cuts to the body. You see the body float to the surface and the dad is standing right there. This scene could have, in my mind, been edited to be so much more of an impactful moment because i think the footage is there in some of these shots like i said the body looks really great it's just missing a throat i mean not much has been eaten off of it 
But it's really creepy seeing this kid like floating up out of the water. It's a creepy shot. So it's disappointing that they didn't let this be more of a thing. But yeah, maybe it was a matter of the actor. Who knows? I'll take it for what it is. Yeah, so we get a scene now with Steve and Annie that, that he is talking to her about. He has was able to get a hold, finally, of somebody at the State Department about Tyler Sherman. And they told him that Tyler Sherman basically is is crazy and that he was let go from the project because he was so unstable. And he's like, I knew I didn't like that guy. And you're like, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? That's probably what they are going to tell you because they don't want you to believe what he's saying if they're negligent, right? In the meantime, Gabby is playing with this contraption, which we later gather is a is a bomb that he's setting to go off at 630 in the morning. And then this party, let me tell you, Roger, we're we're to the meat of this fucking resorts weekend because they are having this party it's in full swing Woo! i mean uh, this seaside party this it's folks it's all been coming down to this this moment looks like my kind of jam let me tell you and the piranha know it the piranha are waiting in the wings waiting to strike but you got i mean <laughs> you literally have people lining up with beating sticks that will obviously be used to beat these fish. And they are preparing to beat these damn grunions as that old bat, Mrs. Wilson, she's showing up makeup <laughs> and tits out. I, lo- I love her little cat suit. She oh has my on. God. And she's got that black and white skin. Kite tech. Oh, I she, okay. So everyone's ready to beat the fish, but you do get like a little moment where you're kind of like revisiting the random featured day players that we we're introduced to. And so you go back to Mrs. Wilson. She's on the prowl. She's looking for, is it like Ronnie or whatever the name of that guy? Ronnie. Yeah, she's ready to fuck him. She's got oysters and champagne. Uh, and then you also, you come back to to, uh, to Brenda as well. And uh, she's got cornrows. <laughs> you notice that? She's got cornrows now. But, I don't know. Brenda and what, what the fuck the, is the other oh, name? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So Mrs. Wilson sashays over to Ronnie's uh, Ronnie's suite. She knocks on the glass door. He slides it open. He's in nothing but his skibbies. And she's all about it. She's like, oh, Ronnie. She's like, I brought you oysters and champagne. But just be warned, they're an aphrodisiac. And that's when that blonde, floozy Cindy with the, with the man <laughs> voice shows up. And she's like, hi, Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> and Mrs. Wilson's like, oh, day. <laughs> so she gets out of there. Um, but yeah, you, she says, I'm a, I have the wrong robe. I have the wrong robe. Yeah. And so it, yeah, you're really thinking that you are going to be treated to something that features all these fuckers because they're brought back to the spotlight again. You're not, unfortunately. You're not. What happens is, yeah, these people are lined up. And I saw this, and they they are literally having clubs in their hand. Even kids, the kids, the kids have clubs in their hands. Um, And in the meantime, we have some random deputy named Aaron who's out on the prowl looking to make sure there's no trouble brewing by the edge of the ocean. And, you know, Stevens keeps uh, walkie-talking him, and so does Annie uh, as he's patrolling the the beachfront. But he is dragged into the water. I don't know... (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about this moment real quick i love what happens to this guy because i have no idea who he is but they're walking at him and then like he's walking along the beach as the people are gathering for the grunions and 
he looks over and he sees the sea boiling and surging. <laughs> and so he like starts to walk towards it. And then it cuts back. It cuts back to the people on the beach. And Raul's like, yes, let's get ready. We're going to eat the Granians. He's like revving them up. And then it cuts back. And Aaron now emerges <laughs> from the sea. And he is, he is partially devoured, but alive. But honestly, I mean, the makeup looks great. But this man has no business being alive. He is literally like eaten down to the bone in areas of his body. And so he like stumbles over to the walkie talkie, which is on a rock. But right before he's able to grab it, apparently the fish <laughs> grab him and drag him across the beach into the sea. <laughs> if they can do this, they are legitimately they have, terrified. Yeah, they're having none of him trying to get to shore. They pull him right back. <laughs> <into the sea. laughs> Oh, no, these fish, they're not fucking around. Like these fish, I think have to be sentient because some of the choices they make are honestly very intentional and well-planned out coming down to this fucking Grunion event that's about to happen. Yeah. So all of the people are there with their clubs. They, the Raul's like, okay, let's get this started. And this is when they start chanting. We want fish. We want, <laughs> we fish. want fish. This Rastafarian music playing too. He's like, he's like, cue the, the bongos. And so it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we want fish. And like, you got fish. We want fish. And the, the, the energy's building. Like, I will tell you listeners, Say what you fucking want about Piranha 2, the spawning, but when it's coming down to this moment, I'm right on board with what's about to happen. I know there's about to be a feeding, and they do a really good job of building up to it. I'm not going to say what comes from it is necessarily disappointing, but God, I wish it was like 10 minutes of it. And what? Well, yeah, what happens is basically as they get down to the shoreline, the, the fish, the piranha start attacking them they start flying out of the water and attacking so you literally get maybe about 40 seconds of random people we've never seen before being shown with piranhas attached to their necks like grabbing out and and everyone's running inside it's it's chaos right before this happened though we uh we do get a shot of gabby i forgot to mention this gabby carrying his dead son out oh yeah and then annie sees him and and, um she goes up to him and he's like they got my son I'm going to kill the fish. <laughs> that literally is like what he says. He's like, I'm going to kill the fish. And then, <laughs> and he's, he's got a tear rolling down his cheek and Annie tries to come for him. And I do like, I think that in the sense of, again, building up to this moment, everything is kind of coming to a climax right now, which I really like about the pacing of this moment because she's realizing, Oh fuck, <laughs> these fish are actually eating people. It really is all true he's got dynamite ready to blow up at 6 30 a.m. And he's like all about it. And meanwhile, outside you have just all these people just ready to feed only for them to become the feast. So it is really fun. It is. I, I wish though, my biggest gripe with this film is this ending could have been a lot more, just a lot more. It's so quick. And you have all of these victims. Like this is a huge party. This this beach is full of people who are chanting, we want fish. And we only literally see maybe three people get killed. Now we do see the uh, aftermath of some of the bodies laying on the shore, but like this is quick, guys. And this is supposed to be like the big buildup. This is the moment we all have been waiting for. This is we've been hearing about this 
spawning event since the start of the film. We we knew something. We knew this was going to happen. So the anticipation for how that was going to be executed for me was really high. Like I was expecting something along the lines of the opening scene of uh, Alexander Aha's remake of Piranha. Uh, when they attack and you get just that carnage for what seems like 15 minutes. This is quick. It's over within 40 seconds. Uh, I, I really was disappointed that it happened so quickly. And I mean, I mean, I know looking at the budget now, it's understandable. They did what they could. And like I said, you do get some really close up shots of dead bodies laying on the beach with like their throats squirting out blood and like eyeballs ripped out and stuff. So that's effective. But overall, this moment, as fun as it is for 40 seconds was a was too brief for me for everything that we've watched up until this point. Oh, I think the biggest issue I have with it is the fact that for the 40 seconds it goes on, it's doing the job quite well. Listen, you are pitching me flying flesh-eating fish, and for a second here, you're serving it up. I mean, come on, James Cameron. I I see why people trusted you with a bigger film after this. If you're giving me that sequence, it looks pretty great. Children are getting saved. The fucking Mrs. Wilson goes hiding under a table, never to be seen again. Uh, and there is chaos. There's commotion. People are running. I really think what works the most for me is for a second, like you see the wave of people like turn around and start running from the beach <laughs> back to the resort. And this is like the moment. Yeah, you're right. This is what these films build up to. It, they do a really good job with the brief moment in which it happens, but God, I wanted so much more. I wanted to see how creative they could get. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it is the limitation of budget, but for everybody just to run inside behind the glass and close, lock the door and, and have that be it is it was disappointing because I wanted to see such like a, a larger scale of chaos. If you've got fucking flying fish, the, the, the potentials for where you could take that are limitless. They could be doing so much. It is endless. Give me more. So yeah, it's it's not enough of it, but what they do do, I think is quite entertaining. Even the shots of the fish flying up out of the sea. I, I'll, I'll take it. I love it. Well, and then there's the moment where everyone gets inside the, the hotel. They lock the doors and they leave Gabby outside and he has a torch, you know, and you think, okay, this dude is, his son was just murdered. This dude is going to become a badass, right? This is... <laughs> This is the weakest attempt I've ever seen at somebody trying to bat. He's holding this torch and these fish are flying towards me. He's literally just going, ugh, ugh. He's not, I would have that torch like a motherfucking baseball bat. And you guarantee I'd be swinging that motherfucker as hard as I could. He's literally standing there going, ugh, 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 poking at him. Not doing a damn thing. Everyone's watching him. And inevitably, because he's not even trying to ward these fish off, they they latch onto his neck. And I love Roger. These people, <laughs> they're just watching this poor man be devoured. And none of them try to help. Annie's just, right up in front. <laughs> Annie's <laughs> watching it. She's just got her hand on the glass. Not, not doing a thing. She won't budge. They're not letting this poor man in the building. They're just watching him be, be devoured. And I'm like, what a terrible end to this character who we didn't know much about granite, but give him some fight, give him some fight. They set it up. Like this man is straight up going to fucking fight a fish. Like it looks like it's going to be such a fucking moment. He's like, he's stepping up with his torch. You really think that some shit's about to go down only for him to go down like a sack of potatoes. I mean, these fish 
it, it takes him literally three seconds and this man is on the ground. Like, nothing at all. And you're right. Everybody's just looking through the glass like more, they're mourning <laughs> they him. They couldn't grab anything. They could have helped him. They could have all grabbed torches. They all got those sticks that they were ready to beat the fish with. Use those. They're, they're locked. Grab some knives off the table. Go stab those. Nope, they just watch. Uh, and it's supposed to be like, again, an emotionally impactful scene, but then they followed up with cutting to something that we don't give a rat's ass about, which is another issue this film has after this scene after this grand scene of this party being attacked by these fish we cut to chris and allison waking up in this dinghy in the middle of the sea where she's like we're lost at sea and that who the fuck cares what does this have to do with anything so I think what happened is they started to re- they started to take the boat back, and then they they made love and fell asleep oh, with each other. And the boat, fu- I don't care. Been, I know I don't care unless there's I, flying fish coming at them. I don't give a shit about these two being in the. Boat. I, agree. <laughs> I agree, but they're like they, they're trying to get back to the mainland, and so they're like, "Look, there's lights." I think that's the hotel. So I think basically what this is setting up is that these individuals are rowing right into chaos. But it does not ever follow up with the potential of what it could be. No. no. So Annie, of course, a, a whole slew of people were just slaughtered. I, I can't buy that people are just going to be able to just leave this hotel. Wouldn't law enforcement be there keeping them in? No, but apparently she's able to walk right out of the hotel and go back to the, the boat where she gets in and she's able to go to the to the spot where she needs to dive to to get to this sunken ship. And when she's there, Tyler is there waiting for her and he's like oh i thought gabby was coming and she's like no he's dead i just watched him and i didn't help him she doesn't say that but it's your you could have helped him i'm sorry this man could have been helped there was no excuse for him to be devoured there was two fish on him and he there was a whole okay i'm not getting over that but i'm just saying okay so she tells that let's emphasize let's emphasize real quick when you say that she walks back to the (laughs) boat she casually (laughs) strolls in her white one-piece jumpsuit back to the boat there does not seem to be a pep in her step at this point i would be sprinting terrified that fish are gonna fly at me there's no urgency i'd have a baseball bat i'd have a machete i would be no she just strolls right back she's like we got an hour to go down there and kill these fish i mean i guess i get it i guess this is their home base so they all go back but this whole plan to me i was kind of confused because we've seen that these fish aren't like they're not confined to this one area, right? They've been everywhere. They've been all around town. They've been in they've been in the hotel. They've been in sinks. They've been everywhere, right? So why are you thinking that you're going to blow this wreckage up and it's going to kill them all? But that's the plan. That's the plan. We'll go with it. Yeah. I, well, one thing that they did mention earlier is that when Tyler was like filling her in on all the military stuff, he does mention that they dropped four... They accidentally dropped like four containers of eggs and they only found three. And where they dropped them, I think, was right over the site of the ship. So I think what they're implying is that like that all of the eggs are there and any of the fish that have hatched are going to be culminating around that area. So I'm not I mean, not saying there's logic behind that whatsoever. But I think what he's saying is like the source of of all of the problems is stemming from that. But if even if there's not if even if there's one of these fuckers that isn't back at this location when you blow it up. I'm sorry, you didn't really do much. That one fucker's still going to be flying around ripping people's throats out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, whatever. They they dive down there. There's this long extended scene of them diving, swimming through the wreckage of this boat. Um, as the piranhas start to follow them, 
as they're trying to unbolt different vents to get through the different rooms and stuff. And in the meantime, we keep cutting back to Steven who finds Chris and Allison out in the middle of the boat and in an elaborate stunt decides to jump out of his helicopter what the? onto the fishing boat and let the helicopter crash into the water and explode i don't understand what what his intention or goal was i think he basically realizes he needs to drive the boat but is his son not working on a boat couldn't he have just like leaned out of the like leaned out and been like hey let's get you over to that boat get in there and sail it um i don't know if sacrificing a helicopter to the sea was at all a wise call here uh, that seems to be a big problem and very dangerous for Anne, who is in the boat that's directly beneath what they're trying to, you know, what they're trying to do. That helicopter could land on her. Yeah, I got confused. I had to rewind it a couple times. I was like, wait, did the helicopter crash and he was in it? What happened? What happened? What happened? And I was like, oh, well, he jumped out of it. You would think if he was trained to fly a helicopter, he'd be trained to land it in water. Like helicopters have those. Don't they have those like floaty things that you can land it in water or get close to like, yeah, you just blew up your this tiny island this island cannot have that big of a police budget you just you just blew up their helicopter their only helicopter how are they going to replace that i guess they have bigger things to worry about now but you get this long extended scene of tyler and Anne swimming through this wreckage uh as the prawner are following them and you know time's a ticking you know because uh gabby set the uh, bomb to go off at 6 30 it's like 6 28 and a half seconds so there's not a lot of time left and they go through like their last thing and they hear the piranhas coming and annie's able to untie this grate, swim through it no problem but as tyler goes to swim through it he gets caught on the grate and cannot get through and i thought when this first happened i thought okay this is a good moment moment of suspense right you're gonna have annie swim back and try to help him out to notice that he's stuck. Does she do that? No. <laughs> Annie has made some bad choices that, that have allowed several people to die. She, she doesn't try to help this man as he's stuck in this grade and the piranhas attack him and mercilessly <laughs> devour his legs. This whole moment... It is really out of nowhere, and I guess they felt the need to sacrifice one of the major players, and I do kind of appreciate and respect it, because I didn't feel it would be fair if all of them survived. I really thought Steve was going to die, but I guess they let Chris have both of his parents. Because you've got this really suspenseful kind of moment of them swimming through this go- I mean, goddamn fucking shipwreck again. They're back, and they, like, they, the piranhas sense them. They're coming, so they got to swim through that fucking vent system, and it's very complex, all the things that are going on, and they realize they have to ditch their air tanks in order to fit through that grate. So they don't even have their air tanks on. And then when it's all said and done, and they're about to make an escape for it, you're right. Poor Tyler, his leg gets caught, and he starts getting devoured by the fucking piranha. And it's even set up in a way where I really thought, like, after all of this happened, I thought we were going to have him come up to the surface and be wounded, but be like, I made it. But, like, no. The, the 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 thing blows up and he dies. Well, I would have appreciated like a moment, like I said, of her trying to at least help him because she turns around and she sees that he's stuck. 
you know, and she doesn't try to help him. And I thought that would be a good source of suspense to, to have her swim back down there and be trying to pull him out. And, you know, he could still die, but at least you'd have that level of suspense and thinking, oh my God, is he going to make it? Is she going to get there in time? No, she just like turns around, looks at him. I was like, oh, well, I guess fuck him. And she swims up to the shore. Uh, the, although she doesn't really swim up to the shore, but because what happens is she looks, she notices there's like 10 seconds left. So the, uh, Steve also notices this. So he kicks that boat into high gear and starts to you know, sail away. She's able to grab the um, anchor and hold on to it and be pulled away from the wreckage as the boat speeding away, just as it blows up. And there's this moment where you see the huge explosion. It knocks Chris down. It knocks Allison down. It knocks Steven down in their boat. And they look on and they think that poor Annie has perished in the explosion. And they're all crying and holding each other. When all of a sudden she pops up to the surface and Allison sees her and she's like, oh, it's Annie. And they're able to go save her and pull her onto the ship. She made it. She made it. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with her and her worthless son and his new girlfriend because fuck them. We didn't know anything about them anyways. And it, the movie ends. The movie does end. And, like, it ends rather abruptly. I'm happy Annie made it. But she really is quick to, like, swim out of that fucking boat and grab onto that anchor as it's dragging away and she gets swept away i mean dramatically like it is dramatic but like she looks over at tyler he looks at her and he's just like "Uh uh-oh and she's like well and and then she just dips out annie is out to save her own ass she doesn't care about it why don't you know whatever i get i get you but come on tyler she's been selfless up to this point though i feel Well, she wanted tyler for his dick she got his dick and now she's like fuck him you can die but and, and that really is the ending like she gets up to the boat They all realize it's her. For some reason, it's Allison who's the one that notices that she she survived. She's the first one you see. Not not the ex-husband or the child, but the random girl with no purpose looks up with her fawn eyes. And she's like, oh, she made it. (laughs) And so they pull her out of the boat. And so they pull her out of the water, out of the boat, slow motion. And then it cuts to the credits. And it does end and you're kind of like, hmm, you know what? Do I feel like this movie has earned the 6% score on, on Rotten Tomatoes uh, or the 3 point, I think it was like, what's it, maybe 3.7 on uh, IMDb? I wouldn't say it's that bad. I really wouldn't. But I feel like I just went to like a, a luxurious dinner and I like ended up being unsatisfied with the meal. I'm full. I got the full experience, but... I just didn't necessarily enjoy all aspects about what I just consumed. But overall, it's not as bad as I think a lot of people make it out to be. What do you think? You know, from a critical perspective and looking at things like, you know, character development and and story, the movie has a lot of issues. But when I look at it from a perspective of I want to just sit back and watch something and not really have to think about it and be completely entertained, I feel like this film definitely does the job there for sure. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot to like about the film. It, like I said, entertaining as hell. Um, whether James Cameron was involved, how how heavy his involvement was in it, who's t- who knows? Only he knows that. And the people that worked on the film, he's still listed as the director. So I'm going to go with it. And it gives you kind of a good glimpse into like his uh, emerging style and his um, his emerging like motifs like water and things like that that he likes to explore with his films. So I mean, it's a good. And I would agree with you. I looked at some of the ratings on like Rotten Tomatoes IMDb. And I was very surprised. I was very surprised that some of them were so low because it is entertaining. But then again, on the flip side, like I said, if you look at it from a story perspective and and, and how messy the story is, I, I can I can see why it's 
I mean, it's not definitely not the worst film I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how many uh, times I would ever revisit it, but I will say I'm glad I got to to watch it to do this review because I really had a blast with it. As absurd as it was in many parts, I thoroughly, thoroughly had fun with it. Yeah, I really, at the end of the day, enjoy watching this movie. I will say that, you know, they they remade Piranha and then they followed up with Piranha 2, which has some really fun moments. Some people like it, some people don't. It has David Hasselhoff in it for this really like kind of funny ongoing cameo. Um, and so I appreciate the sense of humor, but they really leaned into the humor, uh, which they, you know, they, they touched on it with the first Piranha, but then they just go all out with Piranha 2, Double D, whatever the fuck it is. Um, I would love to see a remake of this film with a little more money behind it and just, again, leaning into the absurdity of it. Because I think that if they would have just pushed it a step further, really let that like develop a little bit more because there's a lot of fun to be had in some of those characters and really let them go all out with quality effects, there would be a great film in here. There's some potential for a fun fucking time. And I still have a good time watching it. I'll be chanting, I want fish... <laughs> for weeks to come um but yeah it does feel like it, it leaves you feel like um like you kind of miss the mark that it doesn't quite pay off in the way you would expect a movie about flying for piranha to pay off it gives you some of the experience it just doesn't give you the whole thing so yeah i don't think it's nearly as bad as people make it out to be at all but it's certainly not a masterpiece by any means. No, I agree with you. Fun watch. I would highly recommend it guys. If you haven't seen the film, definitely check it out. I need to check out the first one, the original one um, for my own curiosity. Now that I've seen this one to see kind of how different they are tonally. But uh, again, give me Alexander Ahaz remake. I love that one. So this one definitely let me uh, opened my eyes to the early piranha experience oh as it should be open and i will say you know wait until we review it for the podcast because i think you know this is definitely um it has a this film has a reputation for sure like it's definitely known as being probably one of the worst you know quote unquote turkeys of all time um whereas the first piranha has a far better response has some really actually terrifying sequences Um, some of the executions of some of the kills, I think you're gonna be really impressed with. So let's save that one for another episode because I think you're gonna have a fun time watching that as well. Oh, definitely. It's definitely gonna be on my list. Yeah, add it to 2023 since we did the sequel. We we did things a little backwards. We started with Piranha 2 first and not the original. And it's only because James Cameron is having his moment. So we want to honor him. Uh, and his contribution to film with Avatar and Avatar Way of the Water. Uh, We wanted to see where he all, where he got his start from. And this was certainly... So, yeah, that was Piranha 2, guys. Let us know your thoughts on the film. If you've seen it, do you think it deserves the reputation it has for being uh, a turkey? Or do you think that it's, you know, maybe unfairly criticized? With that said, I guess I got to reveal what our episode for next week is. Are you excited to hear it? Oh, I'm fucking thrilled. Okay, well, I decided it's time to cover one of my favorite slasher films and certainly one of my favorite home invasion films from the last 20 years. And I'm just going to bite the bullet and start 2023 right with a a film that I love. I saw it in theaters, one of the best 
we, we, as gay men, we talk about final girls all the time because they're special and important to us. This film has one of the best final girls in all of slasher history. And I'm talking about none other than fucking Sharni Vincent. We are talking next week, the film, your next. I love your next. I do too. So this will be a good conversation. We got a lots of lots of layers to uncover with that one because it's quite more complex than I think maybe people give it credit for. But we will dive right in. So in the meantime, guys, like I said, you want more episodes, check out our Patreon. Head on over to Apple Podcast Review and give us that little five-star rating. It would mean the world to us because it helps the show out. So yeah, until next week, Roger, I guess there's only one way to to end this it's it's late i'm hungry we want fish i want fish we want uh, fish want yes fish. we do and our fans are all getting fish tonight as well on dark day of the podcast what if we gave away <laughs> what if we ended this episode by giving away <laughs> complimentary carp to our fans uh, uh we're gonna have to find a way to do that for you guys because we love you join our patreon and get a complimentary join carp. our patreon <laughs> That is, we're not standing by that, by the way. This is a joke. We're staying it right now. But join our Patreon and also, I, one last thing I want to touch on, join our group. We've had such a surge recently in our Facebook group, and it's become a really fun time, and I'm really enjoying it. We have a lot of people participating in conversations. Like, everyone's being super respectful. It's a really positive environment, and we just want to keep the conversation going with you guys. The reason we do this is, A, we like to hear ourselves talk. Yes, it's true. However, we also want reason to talk with all of you. So even if you're just in our group, thank you for participating. We're going to start shouting some of you out as well for your participation. So thank you for that, and just expect to see more there, and expect to hear more here, because we are back on our A-game. Right, Troy? Absolutely. With that... Guys, good night. Good night.